I'm really happy that all of you are here this evening. God delights in that too, more than I can ever. I want to begin by praying first. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. I thank you for who you are. Lord, all the um, hours uh, spent in preparation for uh, this now, I pray uh, that you would just um, hide me behind your wings, under your wings, and speak through me mightily. And um, all glory to you and the, all praise and honor to you um, for surrounding me with um, such great and mighty help of our, my brothers and fathers. Thank you, God. And Lord, thank you for each individual in this room who are here to learn more about the wisdom of God and its implications on our lives. Remind us today and this evening uh, that of your great love for us in your Son, Christ Jesus. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give us context before we uh, read 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, the great king um, David, has uh, he's, he's just died. And uh, the covenant made with, uh, the covenant that God made with David, um, however, uh, remained. It has not died. And now, uh, with the royal throne um, established, as God promised, it would be, uh, the next in line would be David's offspring, uh, a member of David's offspring who would continue to rule forever as God promised. And um, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, um, King David, the father, describes the character of this next king. He says, when he rules justly, um, over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. And uh, that was in Second Samuel chapter 23. And in, when we get to First Kings chapter 3, uh, the first 15 verses we learn, by reading it, we learn that when God uh, offers to give Solomon whatever he wants, Solomon first prays a prayer of adoration. Uh, he calls God great, and he calls God's uh, love steadfast. And then uh, Solomon after praying this prayer of adoration, he does something uh, that we're, we might not be used to hearing. Solomon asks God for an understanding mind to govern his people, to discern what is between, uh, to discern between what is right and what is wrong. And God is so happy to hear that. He is so pleased to hear this request of Solomon, so happy to hear it, that 
God gives Solomon what he doesn't even ask for. God blesses Solomon with a lot of money and a lot of honor. Solomon is now ready to begin his ministry as a king. Riches, honor, and wisdom. And this is the word of the Lord from 1 Kings chapter 3. It is in our Pew Bibles, page 282. May I read from verses 16 to the end of the chapter. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. Uh, The one woman said, Oh, my Lord, uh, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight, took my son from beside me while your servant slept, and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, He was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he wasn't the child that I had given birth to. I had born. But the other woman says, no, that living child is mine. And that that dead child is yours. Thus, They spoke like this before the king. Then the king said, Well, the one says, This is my son that's alive, and well, your son is dead, and my son is the living one. Your son is dead. You can hear it going back and forth. And the king said, "Um, I got an idea. Bring me that sword. So a sword was brought before the king, and the king said, I have another idea, divide that child. Divide that living child in two parts and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh, 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 my lord. Give, give her the living child and, and, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he, sh- he shall not be neither mine nor yours. Just divide him. Then the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, not, to, not because of the king, but because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. That's the word of the Lord. Uh, thanks be to God. This, the Holy Spirit illuminates uh, 
from this, from this text why the people of God need a wise king. Uh, why do we need a wise king? From this text, I see three reasons why we need a wise king. The people of God, one, have real and actual concerns. And two, the people of God have a real and actual appreciation for concrete answers. And thirdly, because the people of God really and highly value consistency and just longevity. All right, let's talk about the first reason why the people of God need this wise king. We have real and actual concerns. Here are a few questions we may hear and ask one another. How do I tell my parents I did something they told me not to do? Is day trading, is gambling a good way to earn my living? Which school do we send our children to? When do I get married? How do I fire an employee who I regret hiring? And we, we might be hearing some of those concerns for the first time or just the hundredth time. And these, just, these are four of, of amongst many. Yet uh, there are times that our concerns are dismissed um, or overlooked. We're told that our concerns are too shame, shameful or too small. I, I have friends who won't go back to join their con church community because they think uh, their concerns are dismissed too often. And I want to tell us here that that is not okay. We've ever met, met someone we're about to, we started confiding our concerns to and he or she just immediately stops listening or talks ahead of us as if we're not saying anything important, as if our concerns are meaningless. Well, we are call, called to forgive them. Uh, they have possibly forgotten to listen to others speak out their concerns. I just want to remind us our concerns are legitimate, real, and they take tolls on us, and they take tolls on our bodies and our relationships. And we're encouraged to not hold our concerns in, but to cast them out. We're not casting them into space. We're, for the people of God, we're casting them to a wise king. Now, I want to talk to us about the difference between some of us and these prostitutes. These, these two women are approaching the king as mothers with their concerns. Yes, we know that their occupation is sinful and they conceived a child in sin, uh, in a sinful act. And some of us might be thinking, what actually, uh, what do I have in common with the prostitutes? 
how can I relate with them when I would never do what these prostitutes do? May I remind all of us here, anytime you or I have had a lustful thought or spoke a perverted or impure words of speech or performed an immoral or sexual act with someone or by ourselves, we have prostituted ourselves by making ourselves unworthy, uh, corrupting ourselves to an unworthy purpose. The difference between us, some of us, and, and the prostitutes in this story is not our career or it's not our profession, but the difference between some of, some of us and the, and, the, and the woman in this story is that we are not searching for wisdom. Either we've uh, given up searching for wisdom or we've dissociated ourselves from our concerns or, or worse, we're just too proud to confess that we have concerns. And the Holy Spirit is reminding the people of God to seek wisdom because our concerns are, require wisdom, practically speaking, financially, emotionally, or spiritually. And if we ignore this, we'll be in more trouble than the prostitutes. Proverbs 8, 1, 8, chapter 8, verse 11 tells us, For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. James chapter 1, verses 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And this is why the unwise prostitutes come to a wise king for a fair ruling. Before I move to the second point, one last sub-point about the reality of our concerns. Solomon was willing and able to meet with the prostitutes in his palace. He was not too good or too high or too positive or too busy for them. And this is why the people of God can expect the wiser king and the better king to meet with us, to listen to our concerns thoroughly, to not interrupt us. And our wiser king will make a sound decision on our behalf. And the second point is how now the people of God want uh, better answers. We, we, quite frankly, we want the best answers, mainly because it is so challenging to live this life with subpar answers, subpar truths. And the need for a wise king means that we are hungry for wise decisions. We are hungry to make them. So back to the questions I asked earlier. How do I tell my parents that I did something they told me not to do? With fear and trembling? With great confidence that they love you? Is day trading a good way to earn money? Uh, the top earners in the world don't do this for a living. And if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. First Timothy 5. What kind of school do we send our children to? Jesus, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
Paul tells us, so that we may no longer be children tossed and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. How do I fire an employee who I regret hiring? Let your words be gracious and seasoned with salt. Are these concrete answers? Proverbs 15.1, to answer my question, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A wise king's answer will help a reasonable individual make life life choices with much competence. When her mom says, when the, when, the, when the mother of the living child says, give her the child, her answer is competent. When she's speaking before it's too late. When Solomon br- brings out a sword and he commands that the child's body be divided, his actions and his speech are competent. What is God's spirit telling us and informing us about the character of God's wisdom. Well, the Spirit of God is telling us about the character of His wisdom is that He only wins only by giving up the insistence to win. Forgive me, it's very difficult as we to look at some of us because uh, we played code names last night and I was very insistent on winning and my teammates had to dial, dial me down so that, so that we can win. To attain freedom, uh, the wisdom of God becomes a servant. So too do the people of God experience freedom when they serve God. Turn from, their living, turn from their idols and serve the living God. Whoever here is trying to save his or her own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life to God for his sake will find the salvation you and I are looking for. And this is the pattern displayed not only throughout this story, but throughout the whole Bible. It's a sword not a lollipop. It's a divide the child in half, not officiate the marriage of the two prostitutes. It's a give her the child, although he is mine. And see, God's wisdom is life-changing, and it's world-changing. It's radical. It's upside down. And so there's another concrete truth If what God is saying to us now, it's the normal, we've made the the wisdom of God tonight, the world we will live in will change because it'll begin to fear God. And I can say that because the last verse, 28, tells us that all of Israel stood in awe of the wisdom of God that was in Solomon. There's another concrete truth. I'll say this gently. All of our wrongdoings, or a big word for wrongdoings, transgressions, 
proceed from the first act of evil, known as disobedience. The wisdom of God tells us that the first man and woman who started this whole, who started it all, disobeyed God. And therefore, you and I, we who are born from them by ordinary generation, we too disobey God. Straight-A students disobey God. Geniuses disobey God. Millionaires disobey. Salesmen, movie stars, blue-collar, white-collar, day workers, graveyard shift workers, nurses, doctors, pharmacists, lawyers, startup company, engineers, we all disobey God. I don't obey God. No one obeys God. And my tendency is to say, well, I used to not obey God, but now I do. I can't, I can't tell you that because I would be lying if I told all of us here that I am sinless. Look at this text and see a few of the laws that are broken, God's laws that are broken. We, get, we understand that this mother is grief-stricken, but she is lying in the king's court. She disobeys God's command not to bear false testimony. And then she swapped the babies. She disobeys God's promise that he will draw near to those who are mourning. And then look at us. Why do we say words we don't mean? Because we disobey God who commands us to bridle our tongues. Why do we ask the cashier for water cups and then go to the fountain soda machine and get Coca-Colas? Because we disobey God who tells us not to steal. Why do we say, I'll be there in five minutes, but take 10 to 15 to 20 minutes? Because we disobey God who tells us not to be false witnesses. The truth is that all of our wrongdoings proceed from the first ever evil committed against God. He commanded man to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but man went ahead and disobeyed it. Solomon is a little better than that first man. He is a little better than Adam, the better Adam, as he prayed and asked God for an understanding mind to discern between what is good and evil. But in the end, like all of us do, Solomon disobeyed God. And that's why we need a wise king who will listen to our concerns and then have concrete answers. And then with those concrete answers, he will carry out above reproach. He will carry, out, um, carry them out forever. I would be glad to hear from your wisdom. I would be glad to talk to anybody here who who, who, who doesn't believe in sovereignty or God's plan, but they believe in ch luck and chance. I would be glad, more than glad, to talk to anyone here who doesn't believe in God's God being the Father 
that God is just a supreme higher being. Anyone here? I don't think so. That brings us to our last point. Where do we get this from? Where do we get this wisdom? Jesus is this wise king the people of God need because we value you know, longevity and consistency. From after chapter 3, from 1 Kings chapter 4 through chapter 10, we are told to what extent those two other gifts gave Solomon. Solomon didn't ask for riches nor for honor, but hear what he received. Twelve officers who would serve his household per month, one, one per month to bring him his needs. Solomon ruled over the kingdoms of the Euphrates, the Philistines, bordered Egypt. People from all over the world came to Solomon to listen to him talk about reptiles and trees and birds and other animals. 1 Kings 5 details how he hired tens of thousands stone cutters to work on the temple, burden bearers to work on the temple, and thousands of officers to build the temple. We're talking, we're talking a lot of honor here. Solomon was, we can say he was filthy rich. It, it sounds great on, until it doesn't. Until it all doesn't, his honor, his riches could not save him. It could not remove his disobedience. Chapter 11 opens up with King Solomon loved many foreign women from the nations concerning that God had told Israel not to marry with because God told him that these women, these foreign women would change his heart to follow after other idols. Solomon prostituted himself. He clung to 700 wives and 300 concubines. He loved these, he loved them. And what they did with his heart, they had, it, they had him turn away from the Lord, doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Oh, friends, we, we need a better king. Just listening to me preach about Solomon is, I hope that's stirring in our hearts that we do need a better king and a, a more obedient king. It's really annoying just talking about Solomon. A king who will finish, a king who will consistently give justice, render justice, do justice forever, one who will not have a, a, even a tiniest speck of dust on his record, no blemishes. A king who will be perfect, not just for one season, but for every season, in all seasons. One who will consistently make the most competent decisions, the most wise decisions, the most right decisions. Can describe trustworthy, this trustworthy, uh, anyone here can describe trustworthy attributes of a, of a leader. If we were to keep going, uh, a king who would not die, 
a king who would not be removed from his office, a king who won't lose interest in his work, what he was hired to do. There's a scene in the movie Titanic towards the end where the lifeboat captain turns the, cap, turns the lifeboat around and he starts yelling, is anybody out there, there? Can you hear me, me? Do you guys remember that scene? No. He calls out over the lifeless bodies floating in the Atlantic Ocean for, for someone alive. And that's what the people of God in the Old Testament are wondering. Is anybody out there? King Solomon's acts of wisdom on his best days, his acts of failures on his worst days, are affecting the people of God to hope. Is anybody out there? And there is a son of David, Jesus, who fulfills the covenant promise Jesus fits the description. He exceeds the expectations of the people of God. Jesus is the elected king who will be consistent, who will come and command us to put all of our concerns on him. God's word tells us that Jesus was a king who humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. And Jesus rose again from the grave three days later. He ascended, to the, uh, he ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of his Father. And for us who are concerned this evening, here is another truth for the ages. God delights in us who appropriately respond to him to the good news that Jesus was crucified and Jesus rose again. And that appropriate response is to place our trust in Jesus. And God delights when we do that. He delights when we trust in his son because there is no one in this world who will please, his, please, their, please God more than Jesus, more than Jesus does. No one in this world makes his father happier. And that's why the opposite is true. God rejects whoever rejects Jesus. And as long as we're here today, we're safe. But let me nuance that. The wisdom of God is telling us to be safe by trusting in his son. When we listen to the psalmist in Psalm chapter 118, 18, he says, The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. We are disobedient, but by faith in Christ, we will not be given over to death because Jesus dies in the place of the disobedient. He dies for those he saves. So I'm asking us to respond well, to admit your, my disobedience, to admit your disobedience is to obey the wisdom of God. When you and I admit that Jesus takes our place on the cross, you and I are obeying him at his word. When you and I admit that we need him, 
He hears us and He provides for us. And so this is for the people of God. Jesus is the same forever, yesterday, (laughs) yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is consistent in that He is always working for our good, and He is always saving sinners like you and me. And for us who are anxious, maybe one day Jesus is going to put an unrepentant person in the mix. He's not. For us who trust in Christ, we receive, you know what we receive? Something better than a mind of understanding. We receive the gift of faith. And then we don't, and then we get things we didn't even ask for. Better than riches, we get something we didn't expect. We get eternal life. And what's better than being honored by man? How about being honored by by God himself, considering us to be forgiven in in in, in his son? Is there a higher honor than having all of your sins yesterday, today, and tomorrow's forgiven and being recognized and identified by God? A God like our God who generously gifts his people his wisdom, his redemption, his righteousness, his sanctification. If there is no one like our God, then stand. If there is no one like our God, we agree that there is no one like our God, then stand like Israel. Stand in the awe. Stand in the awe of who he is, who renders justice, who doesn't execute, he doesn't execute us, but he he executes his son in our place. And then he raises him by the Spirit. And we, we just, last exhortation, he, Jesus is praying for us, interceding on our behalf, and he is defending us against our enemies and his. Until the day he returns to execute justice for that one last time, And this is why the people of God need need this wise king. Because we have real concerns. He has concrete answers. And lastly, because our wise king is consistent and eternal. Jesus in Matthew 12, 42 says it himself. Something greater than Solomon is here. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we need you. We need a king wiser than Solomon. And you heard our cries. You answered and delivered your one and only son uh, to die in our place and to save us from our sin and rise again so that we could be full of hope for the life of resurrection. Uh, Lord, as we go, give us strength this day. 
Give us your wisdom this day as we go forward to live for your glory, honor, and praise. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.